When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. But that's the, that's the hardest part is getting out of that rut. And I'm, I'm so glad that I went through that because now we can talk about it, you know, and, and then you can pass it on to others. It's, it's possible to get out of it. And so that in that sense, don't give up. That sense, do not give up. If you feel like crap, if you don't feel good, uh, that day you just don't, you know, uh, it could be a week of a rut, but just pick up. It's okay. Pick up, forgive yourself, pick up and start over again. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras, and now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the show where we help you Calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience deep states of bliss. Now, Action Tribe, today is a different kind of episode because as most of you know, I do my episodes remotely, which means that I'm at my home and my guests are at their home invariably across the country. Uh, and in most cases, I'm in Canada and the US, and my guests are in the USA. This time around... I'm trying out something different because I personally crave to have meaningful connections um, and in-person experiences. And I've been you know, wanting to connect with people in Vancouver, which is the city where I live in. So here I am doing a podcast episode with my good friend Richard Morrison. And in today's episode, we're hoping to, uh, in fact, I'm hoping to get a glimpse into Richard's life. And we're going to talk about a lot of things. In fact, his origins, his childhood, early influences. Um, He is a lot into yoga. He's a yoga teacher as well, a meditation teacher, as well as he's got uh, a background in real estate, which is something that I'm personally interested in as well. 
And so we're going to get to know a lot of that uh, as well as talking about consciousness, the law of attraction. You know what I mean. The stuff that you, me and all of us really like um, listening to and exploring as well. So I hope you enjoy today's session. If you enjoyed the session, if you have some feedback, if you have some questions, then make sure that you reach out to me via Instagram or Facebook. I'd love to connect. Welcome, Richard. Hey, JJ, how are you? Very good to meet you and see you here in person. Yeah, yeah, likewise, likewise. We've been planning to do this for a while now, and I'm just so glad that uh, we made it happen in person at your place. Um, it's got a different feeling to it altogether, right? To have these podcast experiences in person. Yeah, first of all, I'm not a podcast guy. I just, you know, I'm, I'm your friend and um, I'm always uh, delighted to hear you talk on this podcast and I followed it for quite some time. I enjoy your talks and I enjoy your exploration of consciousness and, um, you know, deep living and uh, exploring the world and, um, you know, how to be a better person, how to be a, a great person and the best version of yourself. So I'm really glad that you invited me here. Yeah. Uh, Buddhist community, SGI, Soka Gakkai. That's right. Yep. Right. Soka Gakkai in Vancouver. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so through that, uh, we've kept in touch and done some back and forth. And it's really interesting how Richard has had an amazing journey in meditation and yoga. And recently I attended one of Richard's uh, yoga sessions, which I deeply enjoyed. And uh, yeah, looking forward to learning more about you. And as our listeners usually know, we start from the very beginning, the origins. Uh, so talk to us about uh, where were you born and brought up and what was your childhood like? Sure thing. Yeah, I was born in Brazil in, in a city called Sao Paulo. So that's a really one of the largest cities uh, in South America, maybe one of the largest cities in the world. I don't know how many millions, but it definitely goes beyond, uh, I think, uh, 20 million people. And yeah, it was, um, it was growing up. Um, my, I was a single mom. My mom raised me and my sister. And uh, we lived in the hustle and bustle of things. So it was growing up with a lot of activity. And um, uh, since the beginning, my mom was a Buddhist member of the Soka Gakkai. So uh, every week or so, we would have meetings, uh, which means it was like a sharing circle, chanting. Um, we, you know, as a as this Buddhist practice, um, we do a lot of chanting. So using mantras and uh, sutras. Uh, through the economic turmoils of Brazil and the political turmoils, <clears throat> we, where my mom um, decided to move to Canada when I was about 10 years old or so. So that was um, a very, um, very interesting time in my life. I wouldn't say it was the easiest time, but it was, it was definitely some growing pains and it was fun to experience it at the same time. But um yeah, it was it was the beginning of a new adventure. So, yeah, uh, and it, as far as childhood goes, uh, I used to play soccer as a kid. You know, in Brazil, a lot of soccer, and um, uh, in the weekends we would go and uh, enjoy you know a, a nice uh, sunny weather on the beaches of, of Brazil, which are really great. Um, and grew up with like a very fun culture, carnival. You know, in February you get to dress up and have a lot of fun and jump around. And uh, it's great. And that level of let go and be loose and, and enjoy life, you know, Brazilians are great at that. They're really amazing at that. And, you know, they're, they're great souls. And I still go back to this day. My father lives there. And my, I'm, most of my family lives there. My cousins, my, my uncles, my aunties. I have lots of, lots of family back there still. So I still go back and I enjoy a little bit of that. 
But growing up was great, uh, Brazil, because it did give me that level of freedom where I, you know, I can have fun and let go of things and not worry so much about the day-to-day. And also, you know, gave me a a few things to work on, you know, um, as we all have things to work on. So you have that vibration from different past lives and uh, from uh, different ancestors. So that came along with it as well. So later on in my life, which we can maybe talk about, I've had to work on a little bit of that, as we all do, you know, as we all have that. Uh, these, these, so many different types of tendencies and, and great things about them and then also the negative things about them. So, yeah. But overall, growing up in Brazil was fantastic. I, I couldn't have asked for a better place growing up. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. <clears throat> what happened to my voice? Amazing. Uh, that is great. Uh, so many things to reflect from that. Um, firstly, um, just the fact that, you know, the SGI community is very well connected across the world. Uh, I know for a fact that I came across SGI when I was in India. So I had a good community over there. And the transition was so smooth, where as soon as I came to Canada, there was a SGI family that met met me. They didn't know me, but I, I received that warm welcome and that community environment, which I think made a big difference to my sort of onboarding, so to speak, as a new immigrant in Vancouver. Like I, I'm not, I don't practice SGI fully, but what I enjoy the most is is the at-home visits and the community. And that's what I'm missing right now, as you also agree, because of the pandemic, everything is happening online and on Zoom. And yes, that that is a constraint, but what I would love for whenever the, economy opens up is to be able to meet other people and 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 gather you know in in people's homes that's something that really lights me up so that is one thing and the other thing also um um, you know a good friend of mine leo he's also from brazil and he speaks highly about the culture in brazil and obviously the music and the food and uh, i think he's from sao paulo as well so I do want to visit Brazil sometime. Yeah, you should. They're just not just for the food and the culture, forever. <laughs> so many other things. Yeah, it's a great place to visit. Yeah, I recently realized that Brazil is actually as large, or maybe even larger than USA. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, it doesn't look like that. No, that right? bigger, much bigger than the US. Yeah, because of the perspective of the, uh, I think it's called the Mercator scale. But it makes um, countries that are in the northern hemisphere look larger than they actually are. But yeah, Brazil is, I think, even larger than uh, than USA. But <laughs> but that's uh, you see, you also didn't probably didn't know that, right? No, I didn't. But I think probably a lot of it is jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Amazon <laughs> forest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. Those, those parts are difficult to live in. Yeah, they're probably interesting to visit. Yeah, 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 and. Yeah, just one day I'll still go to the Amazon and and visit. Most Brazilians haven't been to the Amazon. There's a lot of, yeah, it's a it's a very it's a very interesting land that you know deserves some respect. And um, when you visit, and it takes a special kind of um, person to visit as well. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Now switching gears a bit, 
Um, one of the unique things about today's podcast is not only the fact that we are speaking in person, but also because we had a shared journey today, right, of the float tank experience. We did. Uh, and that's what I plan to do more of because, like I explained to Richard earlier, I crave to do these in-person experiences and more often than not, I want to have a shared experience, a shared journey with my guest so that we can share and reflect on what that experience was for each of us. So, And this was your first time. This was my first time floating, yeah. So how was the experience like? Floating was, um, it was, it brought up, it brought up some things for me, I think throughout the day, but the initial experience was wonderful. Like it, it was a lot of busy thoughts, you know, a lot of, my heart was still pumping from the day. I had, I did have a lot of caffeine before, which they suggest for you not to have. So that was maybe the reason why my heart would flutter a bit and it does react to caffeine quite a bit like that. And the thoughts kept coming. Um, and then I started to be able to adjust myself a little bit better in those 40 minutes. Uh, my neck was a bit tense. And I think that's from all the computer work that I do. And so to get the neck into a position where I was comfortable and then allow the body to relax, it took some time. Um, that was the physical part. And then in the, in the, in the, in getting into the flow, into the meditative um, flow it took me about 40 minutes or so and every once in a while a thought would still come in and then i would go back to my breath back to my breath and it was just a constant flow scanning the body then back to the breath and scanning the body back to the breath and eventually around the hour or so then i was able to get into this very focused zone where i wasn't really it was effortless yet it was very focused and it was clean it was just a bit of clean it was because of my first time and um, I've been in this period of my life right now, especially during the holidays where it's been one thing after the next, I haven't been able to get into flow states of uh, consciousness anyways, like where I'm, you know, I turn off and I go inwards. I, and my friend was here. He had a difficult time breaking up with his, uh, with his girlfriend. So we gave him room to stay. So my yoga room was taken up. I couldn't meditate. See, all these things came around. But anyways, it, it got me to a level where I'm a little bit more centered. So, And then I did get to a flowing state at the end, which is very difficult at first for me. It usually takes like three meditation sessions for me to get anywhere near that. But this particular one, it was like an hour and 15, and I was getting there. I could have used, like, like I told you, I could have used another hour in that tank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would have yeah. been ideal. Yeah. Yeah. No, these. Uh, so usually, at least pre-pandemic, it's designed to be a ninety-minute journey. They've reduced it to ah. seventy-five because they have to do some cleaning before and after. Oh, I see. But ideally, it is ninety minutes, which would be amazing. And to your point, uh, even in my case, like I've done this float journey. Uh, this would be my fourth one, if I'm not mistaken, fourth or fifth. But um, the first few minutes is usually a little bit more you know, you getting adjusted to the water temperature and, and getting the right position and ensuring that your neck is not, uh, your your neck is in the proper uh, place so that you feel relaxed. And towards the end, I would say towards the last 75 to 80% of the journey, that's when I personally, I'm completely relaxed. And I feel like there's a wave of flow that takes over me. I feel a wave of relaxation and, and, and that I feel is worth uh, the whole experience. Now, obviously there's a relaxation, but what I personally use it for is also problem solving. 
like uh, we discussed earlier today and talking about flow i read this book called um, the art of impossible by steven kotler and this is an idea that has been brought about in other books as well but basically setting the intention for the problem that you'd like to solve in your life and then going into the into the float for example without any attachment to the outcome and it's fascinating how your subconscious mind will actually work on the problem while you're busily you know just floating and invariably like the last time i did it i ha- i had a resolution it was fascinating how that worked but it did work i can totally relate yeah and these this knowledge came about to me um in different manner it wasn't from this particular book it was i think it was a book i read from the first time was deepak chopra where he mentioned set the intention and then just let it go right. let go of the outcome because different things can manifest along the way that you don't know are part of the journey of getting there or there might not even be where you want to be it might be something else and so you don't your mind cannot conceive of it and it might be you might want something but it might be completely different that which your heart wants and and then it may not you know and so you be very flexible it introduces flexibility and um yeah absolutely it, you know then talking to your point on um the flow i would say beyond the relaxation as well as the ecstasy you get you get a high off of this stuff i come out of there and i'm alive all day it's uh, it goes on to a couple of days even more and then you you compound it i would recommend everybody compound it with more sessions of where you go into flow states where you go in, you know keep on meditating uh, go into a restorative yoga restorative yoga did a lot of that for me uh yin yoga did a lot of that for me yoga in general as well or just sitting in silence does it for me as well mm-hmm. but it's that consistency anyways is beyond the relaxation for me it's problem solving that just instantly comes and you don't know how a few downloads happen to you that you finally understand that trauma that you've had with your sister your entire life or that trauma that you've had with your father and you resolve it and your your soul is beyond that now and you can look at your your dad or talk to your father if you hadn't been able to forgive him for or maybe maybe there's no forgiving either there's nothing yeah. to forgive yeah, oh, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. a silly thing about my ego that i held yeah. on to and these things just kind of download and you understand it deep in your dna and then you know it's not even it didn't even come from from thought i could have read a hundred books trying to get over this stuff exactly. i could have gone to a hundred cycle analysis sessions yeah and yet this thing happened in two seconds exactly okay it took years right it took years but yeah. this one particular session here this time mm-hmm. it was one second and then yeah. i understand it all exactly. and it's that's phenomenal i mean it gives you so much hope to continue on your journey of you, you know this, this spiritual journey, this this growth journey, as long as you have the intention, but letting yeah. go of the outcome, like like you said, yeah, 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 yeah. For me, one of the breakthroughs I had today, uh, I don't think I shared this with you, but it was a perspective, you know. Like I had a similar journey, like you in the float tank. I had all these different thoughts, I had all these different colors in my mind, I had all these different things coming out of nowhere. Like if I had to describe that in one word, it would be um, disturbance, okay. entropy. So entropy is that, is that the right word entropy where there's like a like you noise know, noise a lot of noise coming yeah. out of far nowhere and then that noise might have been maybe some traumas that were coming through right it was a different journey because usually my uh, float tank journeys are very calming very relaxing and and very like exuberant opening up to serenity oneness unique you know all these things but this this time it was different 
And then towards the end, you know, the epiphany I had was no matter what, you know, the storm is, what I bring to it is my awareness and my certainty and my presence and my attention. And the conviction that no matter what happens, if I arrive with my certainty, you know, just that masculine presence, if I have that with me, then I can, I can wither any storm. And like it was the higher, higher self telling me that maybe that's what women and that's what those are the type of leaders that the community wants is men that are present, centered, grounded and, you know, vulnerable because, you know, there might be challenges and difficulties, but also determined that they will find a resolution no matter what happens. Now, that was that was sort of like a takeaway that I had from that journey. That's great. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we we're going to do another thing today <laughs> before the float, which was the cold dip, but it, it, it's, it snowed in Vancouver today. Oh, <laughs> so. I was relieved. <laughs> yeah. I said, now I have an excuse not to go, AJ. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but we're go- we're going to do it next week or the week after that. Action okay, tribe, cold dip, English Bay. All all people in Vancouver, reach out to me because I'm planning planning on that. Um, I want to have these cold dips followed by a very conscious, sacred, you know, discussion where we can exchange ideas and think about or express the challenges or the difficulties that we're going through in our own life, sort of like a mastermind, but a very sacred spiritual experience of the dip and maybe breakfast after that. But that is, that is to be Let's seen. do it. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so how, how did you get into real estate? What's, what's the story like? Because I knew, I know you as, you know, like a real estate agent as well as an investor and you work with a lot of people across the city and you've got a, great resume uh, you know a lot of experience in this field ouch you're right i got a cramp <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you have a comfortable podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just relaxing over here yeah. yes please good i'm better now yeah no take your time if you want to have a stretch i'm here yeah 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 <laughs> Um, so yeah, I got into real estate when I was 24 years old. I my mom was already in it, and uh, it has a lot to do with her passing on the the knowledge that she had there too. And um, you know, she um, she started out uh, selling about two years before I finished my university. So I was um, on in line to finish my degree, and then. I was hired by uh, an accounting firm here downtown, and um, and I was set. You know, I was gonna go be doing accounting, uh, become a chartered accountant in Canada, and uh, this kind of I started looking beside, you know, like with my peripheral visions, like what she was doing and what was happening, and um, I thought, well, this is interesting because this could be an interesting career for me because I am. I have an extrovert uh, personality, um, which didn't come about. It came about with a, as a result of my practice of chanting because I was extremely introvert as a kid. Um, so I had an introvert personality, and I thought I could maybe do this. You know, uh, She didn't really put pressure on it, saying I should be following her footsteps or anything. She just said, you know, if you want it, it's here. I can train you. And... Um, and um, 
you know, it took me eight months in my new, I got hired and I, I was uh, doing accounting. It took me eight months <clears throat> before I decided to just stop that full cold turkey and then became, a, became an agent. And then I started selling with her. Uh, she helped me out. And, uh, and then I got in touch with a couple of uh, real estate investment networks. I, started, I bought two condos when I was 24, I think, around there. At the time, condos were not crazy priced like they are now. I put, you know, we were able to do some uh, creative financing, got two condos downtown Vancouver, sold those, and then bought a house. And then we started doing some investments here and there. And it led into, you know, buying stuff in the U.S. as well. And I'm extremely fortunate because the timing was so good. And I say that because in all, in all due respect to, you know, you read books by like Malcolm Gladwell, and he'll he'll talk about you know these fortunate waves that happen, and without that wave, at, which has nothing really to do with my un- undertaking, mm-hmm. it could have done the same undertaking in different area in different times of um, our progressive or our world, and it wouldn't have been as spectacular as it turned out to be, or nearly as good, or maybe not good at all. It could have been the Great Depression, and then all real estate values go down, right? So I pay respect to the type of um, fortune I came across, right? And um, uh, that I never forget, you know, even despite I can say I manifest this or that, but there's also an element of fortune and good luck, you know? So, um, yes, I was fortunate to, to be in this position, to be at that particular time, and we took action. Yeah, and so, yeah, it was a great career so far. I don't want to continue as a realtor for the rest of my life. I do want to have more uh, work that's intrinsically valuable, uh, you know, to a community, you know, building a community. I do find that it's a little bit, um, uh, it's like a, being a lone wolf as an agent because you're often, you're just interacting with clients for a few hours of the day and you come back to your office and there's nobody really to to hang out or, you know, have a significant portion of your life. So a lot of it you're spending alone. So I'm thinking about doing something more intrinsically valuable, community-based, where you're providing, you know, intrinsic value for um, community and others at the same time. So there is a, I have an intention (laughs) out there. I don't have a particular set of exactly how it should be, but I do feel it, how it ought to feel like and, what I want to interact with people, the kind of happiness I want to have for them and for myself and, uh, you know, them growing in their life and um, um, enjoying having fun and, you know, all this kind of thing. So it will manifest itself in some way or another. And um, more I get closer to it, the answers will come, you know, um, as long as I got that detached kind of intention and it, the gaps will fill in along the way. Yeah. So, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's awesome. It looks like we are both setting intentions of our own. Yeah. Um, like, for example, I told you before this, one of my intentions is to get more into real estate right. because I'm 
been connecting with a lot of um i'd say uh, heart centered real estate agents and investors who realize the inheritance uh, in inherit uh, power and significance of having real estate um if you look at it from a spiritual standpoint uh, real estate is has to do with the root chakra right because having a home is you didn't know that yeah so the, the, it's sort of the root chakra where it's like you know where you belong where you're rooted right if you don't have a home you are uprooted oh if you're a refugee that's where that word comes from right you're uprooted yeah. because yeah. you spent like your home is your memories right your emotions your memories the people that you know your neighbors and then imagine if you're a refugee because of a, there's a war or there's some civil strife and you ha- you're uprooted from that place it affects you in your root it affects your um connection with abundance and money and scarcity all of that has to do so from that standpoint uh, and my family has a deep connection with real estate my 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 parents also made the right decision so that they could acquire certain properties that helped me later on in life but i want to do something similar you know um but not go fully into real estate so my intention is to be able to uh, maybe acquire some properties so that i make my way towards uh being able to be more hands off with my business and travel and you know invite amazing people like yourself to my home just like this do a podcast maybe do a sauna maybe have a cold dip experience do some yoga breath work right, right. and uh, yeah. just having the right intention not just owning a home for this, f- so that i look good and and i can you know sure. take some photos on instagram no but to make an impact have community and have yeah. more shared connections that's where i'm coming from you know i hope your home also looks good on instagram i'm sure it will aj yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> Yes sir so that's so that's the idea but yeah and and you're 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 an inspiration to me you know you're like a mentor you. and a friend and you're uh, an inspiration to me too thank you thank you it's so good to get these uh, bits of advice and and feedback and perspective from your career uh, in in this space especially in Vancouver which is one of the hardest markets right now it is hard yeah yeah so uh so tell me about now you told me that you were born into SGI right That's right. I was As born into SGI, the Buddhist organization. The Buddhist mm-hmm. organization. So, so when does your journey into non-SGI related meditation begin? Maybe yeah. like meditation, or maybe like yoga. Where did that come about? Or sure. How did you get inspired there? Yeah. So yeah, that's a. It's a it's a bit of a story, and you know, it's one that. At some point, I, I remember reading, Paulo Coelho. and the alchemist when I was young, as a kid and also as a university graduate and having been through experiencing the tremendous power that uh, meditation intention setting and um manifestation does to your life but I didn't know I didn't know I had that power and I didn't know that it came about as a result of that so I took it all for granted when I came out of university I was around uh to uh, 20 21 22 and having taken that for granted um I went through a breakup uh at the time and that kind of it kind of started swirling downhill since then my and I did a really good my business wise uh but personally wise 10 years later down the road not having practiced anymore so I took a 10 year away from practice and not having gone through that it slowly started leave nothing like random manifestation 
and nothing had to do with what I was doing, those practices, nothing of that. So I became blinded, blindsided, and I took so many things for granted, including my own powers, including people. So that eventually led to the, my, you know, I became, I drank a lot of alcohol. I started um, having the wrong types of friends around me. I started not appreciating my clients, started not appreciating what I had. And slowly and surely started to degrade downwards. So that led me to not believing anymore. Uh, you know, the famous alchemist line, at one point in your life, the, greatest, the world's greatest lie is that you no longer have power uh, to do things in your life. And that's, you know, or that you're not the maker of your reality. That's the world's greatest lie. And that became my philosophy in life, is that this is just a big random thing and I have no say in it and powerless. So that led me to becoming, having a, a bout of depression, having a bout of um, apathy. And um, it, it was a slow climb away from that again. I had to go into areas um, where it was dark. It was not good for me. And um, it didn't hit rock bottom. You know, I still had that backbone from when I was younger to remind myself, hey, there's something there that you remember that you have this power. So slowly I started to climb out. And my first run was with a, a friend of mine that was in the Himalayas for like 15 years or 10 years or at the time. And she started teaching me some yoga. So I started doing some meditation with her but still very shrouded. I didn't have a clue of what life or what these powers I had in me. And, uh, you know, it was just, okay, it was a brush with yoga. It was, it was great. And then it went downhill again. You know how it is when you're in those, those vibrationals thing to get out of it. It's tough, but you got to keep going. And so I would, uh, then I, I started going to reading some Buddhist books as well. Um, I started doing, trying to do, do some meditation work. It was tough. It, was, it wasn't easy. So it took me a good like five years of myself again. So I have no say in all this whole thing and to being like, okay, I can come out of this. I don't believe it, but I'm going to have courage and do so anyways. I'll become the mirror. I will, I will start doing activities for other people, um, including myself as well, treating myself better. And um, slowly but surely, you know, I started making little goals and then we had the home had the home visitations from Kevin, you know, from Ray Simpson, and uh, from the SGI, and they were great because they brought me up slowly. They said, "Well, let's make a goal this week and something that you can possibly do," and we chant for it. We're gonna meditate and chant for it. So we would write goals, weekly goals, and they would come every week and they would chant for me with me for one or two one one hour, and then we would have a small session of sharing. Oh, this was in uh, 2013. Yeah, and I think you met me at the apartment at the time. Not at that time, but a little bit, a couple of years down the road, yeah. And so, <clears throat> yeah, it, it was, um, so that's where the original question you asked me was when it began. Yeah, so that's when it began again, and I started brushing with uh, that. And then after having um, a, a foothold, so it gives me a great... I, it's the SGI and, and, and the Nutrient Buddhism gave me really great framework. 
And it consisted of the three pillars, right? The, the practice, the, the chanting, the, the meditation, and then the, um, uh, the study, the studies, right? And then, and then the action, uh, the, the, the actual practice, like going out there and mirroring, helping others, how, doing, you know, going to home visitations and uh, helping, uh, encouraging others and going to meetings. So that was the practice part. So that framework was tremendous, and I use it till this day. You know, and then and that after that, <clears throat> I started to. I met you and a few other people who were mentioning yoga in different forms, including subtle forms of mindfulness and meditation. And I started exploring that a little bit more in depth. So I got into a restorative yoga, helping him, one of my friends that were, he was quite depressed at the time. So I started going to restorative with him. And then, like, six sessions in, I come out and I'm like, wow what was that <laughs> you know like i'm floating in the sky and i can see things 10 miles away what's gonna happen and all these like subtle answers started coming and uh, problems that i couldn't solve for a long time they started coming my way so i became really interested in that modality and though and then that started helping me that that piqued my interest in yoga teacher training so then I did uh, my first yoga teacher training was actually restorative. It wasn't even the actual 200 hours. So I did 40 hours of restorative with Tiana Allen here in Vancouver over at Granville Island. Um, it was Semper Viva, the yoga studio at the time. And um, that was great because I got really deep into some, um, like we, we did like 40 hours basically of restorative yoga. It was 40 yeah, and I started, and then I went to 200-hour yoga teacher training, did like shadow work, judgment cleanses, and all these self-works, because I did uh, yoga teacher training at this studio called Karma Teachers in Vancouver, and they were really focused on, hey, we need, we're going to focus on a lot of self-work rather than the asanas. So the real in-depth yoga practice, like from the deep traditions. So that was phenomenal, you know, and then, um, yeah, so that's where, that's where I veered off and I started exploring many different facets all the way now to, you know, different mystics around the world. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. It's always good to know how uh, sort of people, one thing leads to the other and maybe you meet somebody and maybe you read a book and then you come across this new path and the journey is ever um, unfolding, right? It never stops. But... Um, yeah, me meeting you in one of those meetings was one of the reasons why I went into yoga because I remember you mentioning, hey, have you tried yoga? I think I remember you saying the exact those words, have you tried oh, yoga? Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I had gone, I that summer, I clearly remember that summer when I had gone a lot to Semper Viva Yoga and I loved that those sessions because I used to go to the different studios and I loved that one studio which was on Granville Island. That's the one I did my restorative yoga training. Right? Yeah. Where you're able to, or at least when Semper Viva was there, but you were able to do the right. sessions and then you see boats, right, passing by. It was a very beautiful place and I went there a lot in the summer of, I think it was 2015. Mm. Uh, but it was it was great. And, um, and one thing that you mentioned was that uh, sometimes, you know, life doesn't change instantly right it's usually like slow shifts where maybe we have that perception of things falling apart slowly but surely slowly but surely and sometimes there's a slippery slope where you one day believe that you are um, 
right? Uh, the, the captain of your soul or the captain of your own ship in, on your own journey and you have, you know, the power to change your life. And then that slippery slopes leads to a place where you feel that you are a victim of everything around you and you have no control over, you know, the things that are happening in your life. And that's, I think, the ultimate narrative of yoga, right? Yoga asks this question, how much of life are we in control of and how much is uh, destiny in control of us? Like the question about destiny versus um, willpower, so mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. But that was uh, that was pretty interesting, and I also believe I loved uh, I loved the author um, of the Alchemist, Paulo Coelho. But the funny part is, uh, the Alchemist was one of the last books I read. I read his other books before that, huh. you know, especially the book the Zahir. And Zahir, I have it in my bedside. <laughs> I love his book because he has a way of being very poetic. Yeah. and talking about these mystical concepts and topics. Mm -hmm. And also I think what he brings to his writings is the fact, is the idea that, you know, like uh, what you're looking at is also looking after you. And, uh, you know, if you set the intention, mm -hmm. like you pointed out, it might take time, but you will get it. Mm -hmm. It will manifest. You just need to have patience and persistence, I guess. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that... that uh, there are some some aspects to yoga that I respect as well, and I implement that in my life, and that is the yielding part, where you yield to sometimes things that are perhaps not meant for you. That's true. And then it's tricky to recognize that and then know when to let go, <laughs> right? Like, when do I let go? Yeah. And that's something that I'm working consistently on, and it, I think it's a life long just like everything else it's a lifelong thing um and just letting go of certain things that uh you know that i you know are not for you or letting go of some maybe judgments it could just be a judgment that you've been holding on to and then learning the the subtle differences of you know um knowing the things you can change and knowing the things that you cannot change right there's uh, lots of different philosophies have many many ways of approaching that that subtle way of knowing and I believe you know as the old adage the answer is within you so the more you can take time to explore your own self you'll know whether or not that may be for you or not and it's just and then um, also to speak to now if you're in a difficult situation in your life you know uh, to speak to that um, you know it, it can be a real drag to swim keep on swimming and not seeing any results for a long time and in fact when you start practicing any modality again if you've been in the deep rut you're often going to see a lot of dirt come out and that's normal Right, because those things you're going to start making waves, and they're gonna sometimes it could be someone toxic, it could be an activity that's toxic for you, and you're gonna miss it, or you, you know you're gonna miss that person that could have been, you know, you feel good at the time, but they're very toxic for you, or that activity, okay, very toxic, and those things are gonna all come out, and it's gonna feel like shit. Sorry, I hope I can swear in your podcast, but it's gonna feel like crap, right? And 
other things are going to just break down around you. And breakdowns are part of the breakthroughs. It has to break down. And you have to feel like that, unfortunately. But you got to keep going. And it's difficult. It's one of the most difficult parts is in the, in the, when, you're at the, when you don't have that spiritual um, confidence yet. That you know that you can get out of it. That you know that you know you, we do this work and that's going to happen. You don't believe in yourself yet. You don't believe the universe. You don't believe the universe can provide for you. You don't believe that you're capable of doing it. You don't believe other the goodness of others. You don't believe that other, you're in your own compassion. You don't believe that you can, but you have to have the courage. You don't believe that you can be compassionate for someone else. Hey, replace it with courage. Continue. Keep going. Go and see that person that you know needs your help. Go and take care of yourself. Do the practices despite feeling like crap. We wake up in the morning. You don't want to chant. You don't want to meditate. You don't want to do your practice, but go anyways. You know, start talking to yourself in a gentle way. Say, Richard, let's keep going because people around you, and there's a reason why you're listening to this right now, they've, they've mentioned to you that it's, it's possible. So let's just go ahead and do so. Let's have a conversation between your heart and your mind. You know, I know you don't want to go, man, but let's go. Come on. You know, there's... People who have done it before, let's let's get in, let, encourage yourself. Let's do it, or talk to someone, you know. And then, but that's the that's the hardest part is getting out of that rut. And I'm, I'm so glad that I went through that because now we can talk about it, you know. And and then you can pass it on to others. It's it's possible to get out of it. And so that in that sense, don't give up. That sense, do not give up. If you feel like crap, if you don't feel good uh, that day, you just don't, you know. Uh, it could be a week of a rut, but just pick up. It's okay. Pick up. Forgive yourself. Pick up and start over again, you know. Start a new determination. Start a new intention, and and don't give up. Even if you've dropped it for a, a, a day, a week, a month, a year, it's okay. You know, years. Pick it up again, you know, and just start where you where you are. So before moving on, I love that you mentioned um, the idea that irrespective of where a person finds themselves in today, especially people listening to this podcast right now, if you have found yourself in a place where you are, you know, you don't like where you're at or you feel that you want to get into meditation or some other practice, then know that it's never too late. It doesn't matter what happened in the past or what your age is because some people feel like it's too late, right? Maybe they should have started when they're 24, 25 and now they're like 35 or 45, 55. The truth is, there's always this thing about divine timing and the moment that you hear this word, from my mouth, that this is the time for you right now, that is a sign, that's an indication that you can take a small step. It doesn't have to be a 12-week commitment or a six-month commitment to something or a practice. You start small, you do a five-minute you know, meditation journey, and you feel better, and that is a clue. If you feel better, that that is something that you can do more of, and you know, great things are in store for you. Now, Richard, like, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, we're going to a topic that is one of the most, I guess, complex, but at the same time, simple topics or profound topics in, you know, in, in, in the world of uh, wellness, but also maybe uh, ancient wisdom, which is consciousness, right? So what is your understanding of consciousness? Yeah, sure thing. I just want to say, you know, you have a course or you have an online breathwork practice, right? Mm-hmm. So that that might be an interesting way for someone listening to get started. You know, reach out to you and, and use your breathwork practice, maybe. 
Oh, yeah. You know, I haven't talked about breath work, but that's been an incredible part of my journey. Yes. As well. You know, I've done a lot of breath work during my yoga teacher training, and yeah. I use it till this day. And one of my yoga teachers, or actually one of my good friends that is, is a property manager for one of my properties in Phoenix, she mentioned if there's anything you don't drop, which means you don't stop doing, is your breath work every day. So, yeah, it's it's a great way to start up and gather that energy again. Yeah. Absolutely. So thanks a lot, Richard, for reminding me. Our program is just about to launch. It's called Burnout to Bliss. Nice. Go from burnout to bliss. Go from stress oh, to bliss. Go from anxiety and you know not feeling happy with where you're at. Uh, maybe some calm, maybe some connection, or maybe finding yourself in a different place. We have a course. It's a crash course, right. which means it's not like super long. And you will uh, understand the science behind it, the evidence behind it your breathing practice, how it affects your body. It's very fascinating. Uh, and also practical wow, uh, I didn't know. techniques, that. right, that you can use in order to fall asleep, in order to feel more connected, in order to tap into that heart coherence so that your brain is not making all the decisions, but your heart is sending uh, signals throughout your body, which is a beautiful place to be in. So, Burnout of Bliss, reach out to me because we are pre-launched pre right now. We've got a really good deal. Uh, if you're interested, I can definitely give you the course. Cool. Awesome. And uh, now I'll follow up with your question of consciousness. consciousness. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> where Small does topic. This, where does this end? <laughs> yeah, where, is, where does this rabbit hole end? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> where do I start? <laughs> God, I don't even know. It's just such a huge topic. Yeah. You know, you and I were talking about this possibility of talking about uh, consciousness, and there's just so many ways to there's so many different ways to approach it. You know, I, I I'm I mean, I'll start from where I'm reading recently. It's <clears throat> all about your attention. You are your attention, and uh, you know, like there's the old adage of where you're if you're if you're paying attention to your intention, you know, that's where the energy goes to your intention. And uh, for me, a lot of what consciousness has been is knowing how to pay attention. Paying attention to myself, my thoughts, the lesser known parts about myself, like the subtle energies going through me that can only be listened to when you really calm down, when you go into silence or when you go into practices. They take time. It's like learning to hear again, developing these senses. They say that if a baby is born and it's put into a dark room, it may never develop hearing or eyesight because it didn't have the um, those sensories. Though it didn't have the exposure to uh, the external um, stimulus. Same goes for your listening to yourself. At first, when you start, you don't you cannot hear this real, and it's there. It might take some time for you to understand it, to read it, to, to hear it clear, but it's there. And it, if you, you don't give up, keep on going, you're going to start listening to it. <clears throat> Call it what you will, intuition, whatever. But that's essentially what I believe is what consciousness is. is it's just an ever-expanding journey into um, learning to read or paying attention to the subtle Energies all around you, and the more you pay attention, the more you become stronger at it. It becomes a skill, like a, like lifting weights at the gym. You can become stronger and stronger the more you practice. 
Then oh, there's also exercises you can do for consciousness development. You know, there's workshops out there. I've done a few uh, professional workshops as well that they're very guided toward it. Whether there's someone talking at you or someone, hopefully the opposite, where they're not talking at you, but they're just guiding you through in a, a, a journey of your own where you're discovering your own consciousness as you go along. Um, geez, there's also action. <laughs> Taking action in the real world, yeah. you know, that's a big part of developing your consciousness and part for me as well. Yeah. Interacting with other very non-subtle energies, sometimes right in your face, you know, and it could be that boss that, you know, that uh, is or is not working out for you or that partner or yourself, you know, can you sit with yourself for a long time and quiet, you know, and enjoy are you enjoying yourself? There's so many, it's just so, it's so broad, right? Uh, you know, we can talk about other parts of it. What am I paying attention to? And then uh, how much uh, can I hear? And in the world where it's ever demanding, where it's your, your attention is just being stolen from you, uh, you know, with uh, social media and all these things. Now, I'm not such a big like, bully about, I'm not going to be talking about bullying social media in general and then um, put all our, you know, blaming social media for taking away our attention. I think our attention has always been very f uh, escaping, you know, f uh, fleeing, fleeting, because we just, we're just built that way. We're built to just, hey, what's that? Hey, what's what's this? Hey, look at that, shiny. Hey, look at that, it's red. Hey, it's blue. Squirrel. It's green. Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it takes practice to just pay attention. And then it's not, natural to pay attention to something because you're just your mind's so entertained it's so much fun being here it's normal but you just kind of balance it out paying attention a bit more and you start to really enjoy the subtleties later on because you start to hear things sometimes quite literally you start hearing not voices but hey that'd be awesome if i could hear voices too i haven't gotten there yet but you know you could hear things you could hear your own self you can just there's real subtle things around that you just wouldn't understand if you weren't paying attention. And then it could also be very practical, like paying attention to your work. If you're a mechanic, pay attention to... There's a really good book called uh, Motorcycle... Something to do with motorcycles. Motorcycle maintenance. Yeah, motorcycle maintenance, where he says God is in the, is in the engine, is when you're paying attention to fixing an engine. Right. That's where God resides. Because it's in the details of doing things with love. You know, uh, Paulo Quidditch says a lot about that, doing things with love and mindfulness. You're here making a tea for somebody. You're making it with love. You're making sure it's well done. It's in the moment, you know. So that's paying attention. Again, it's in developing consciousness. You can develop consciousness making a cookie. You can develop consciousness fixing a tire or going to your, you know, writing a letter to your daughter or whatever it is or making a multi-million dollar business deal happen. In fact, they're all connected. You know, you're just providing great attention to that particular person. The more you serve the person, the more you paid attention, and the more love you get, you gave. So it's deeply interconnected with, with that. So yeah, that's you know it just expands from there. Yeah. I would summarize it really as a attention. Nice, nice. I I like that you spoke about our senses because we have these external senses, the five senses: smell, touch, sight, feeling, and uh, uh, you know, like you pointed out, our formative years are responsible in helping us develop those senses, and sometimes these are so vivid and exciting that um, we can do so many things, right? We can talk, we can interact with the external world. Now, that can be a gift, but that can be a crutch as well, 
uh, and what I like uh, through the practice of Vedanta, self-inquiry, is asking these profound questions and realizing that, you know, you're not your thoughts, you're not your emotions, you're not this physical body, you're not the skin. And, and so slowly but surely arriving at the, uh, the answer, or maybe at, at least closer to the answer, which is you are the witness that is witnessing all of these unfold. And uh, I like the advice given by Krishna uh, during the Mahabharata when he is advising Arjuna. And Arjuna asks these questions to Krishna about consciousness, about dharma and duty and things like that. And he says that, you know, you see this chariot, right? You see the horse. The horse is running the whole chariot. And obviously that's what is making it move. But some people make the mistake of assuming that consciousness is the horse. No, it's not the horse. It's, it's one step behind. And the person who's riding the chariot, right? Mm -hmm. He should be consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. Because he is controlling the chariot. Then mm -hmm. Krishna says, no. That's also not consciousness. Mm. The person who's sitting, watching the person ride the horse, who is then driving the chariot, maybe that person is the consciousness. Mm. And uh, uh, the other thing I like about the uh, Rig Veda, one of the first uh, hymns of the Rig Veda is the, is the Nasadiya Sukta, which is all about questions. And ultimately the, the, that hymn says that maybe God exists or maybe even God, even, even God does not know. So there's this, you know, um, sure. trail of questions yeah. where we might not ever come to the conclusive answer, right? Yeah. We can only pose questions and hopefully come closer and closer sure. to what consciousness really is. Because it's a huge topic. Yes, it is such a big topic. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, that the observer behind that, you know, first times I ever heard those meditations, you're not the mind, you're not even the body. Like, what is this? Voodoo. <laughs> Why are you talking <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to me this way? <laughs> right, 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 but it slowly right. started listening to that more and more. And then you, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, okay. Oh, like maybe I'm not the thoughts. What if I start paying attention or less attention to them? And you know, start going back. And then, well, I'll let that thought go. I'll let this thought go. Maybe I'm not this person. Maybe I'm not. Ah, oh, that's a judgment. I'll let it go. And then I started um, becoming more observant of myself. So that's, I guess that's a part of it. It's, Developing more of that consciousness of being the observer. Yeah, you've done That's some great. experiments with with uh, thinking or contemplating death, right? Are you open to yeah. sharing yeah. Uh, some of that? Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I've I've done some contemplations of death, like what it would be like, because I've had friends who have lost parents and who have lost uh, loved ones. I've had friends who've lost daughters and sons. You know. You know, and um, but I've never gone through a de deep death trauma in my life, and that's something that really scares me. You know, and then uh, you know I thought, okay, well maybe I could explore that in a quiet, uh, silent meditation, and I did that a couple of times. Uh, one time I took a whole day out, a day you know on the weekend, and I did that, and it, it just gave me some perspective on learning learning a little bit more about myself and, and experiencing that fear and feeling it, what it was like, you know, living through it. Um, and it helped me to kind of put things into perspective and not into perspective in the sense that, you know, the cliche use of the word, but really like explore, oh, this is bad. 
It's going to hurt, but it's not the end of the world. And what can I do about it now? You know, like I was noticing that I wasn't, I was kind of like my, my, some, some people that I know they're growing older in age and then they're, they're not so coherent anymore. And I just kind of didn't want to deal with that. It was like, it was, and then what I figured it was just me kind of trying to avoid the pain. I didn't want to go through the pain of listening to that person, which I, which I once, which was so coherent and now no longer is. And it's part of the, every deterioration, degradation that we will eventually go through. But it was a part of me that was kind of just ignoring that. Like, no, no, you're not, you're not this. You're the other person I used to think, you're, I used to know. You're, you're not here. You're, and I used to just, you know, blast through it or get annoyed or get, you know, just hurry through the conversation. And so that meditation helped me to kind of embrace that moment and as painful as it is, but still be present for that person. And I recognized that I was, it was fear. It was fear of not wanting to see that. So, Yeah, that's a very, very interesting, um, what you, what you share over there. And for me, you know, losing my mom, at least in the physical sense this mm-hmm. year was, uh, was definitely a very heavy journey and I'm still going through that right now. And, yeah, uh, sure, man. You know, yeah. something that uh, helped me was just my uh, spiritual understanding and my mm-hmm. knowledge of Vedanta and knowing that uh, we are not the body. Then when the body departs, then that's not us that is departing. Mm. And we come from a place that where there is no time and space and using our intuition, we are able to, you know, communicate with the person that we've spent so many years loving. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, oh, I see yeah so that i feel really helped me uh because i did i did receive uh, messages from my mom you know mm. i she comes in my dreams all the time mm. and in my dreams i'm not a physical being as well right so there's a deeply connective experience that we go through because yeah. i feel that when somebody departs one of the easiest ways to communicate with you and to be with you is, is in your dreams, which in is dreams. In, in a different field, in a different time altogether. Mm. But also there was this message that my mom uh, sent to me. And I'm, not, I'm not sure if I shared this after I got the you know, message that uh, my mom had you know, uh, passed away in the physical incarnation. I was coming back uh, from, coming back to home. It was evening time. It was kind of dark outside. And I set the intention to, for my mom to say something to me. Because I was like, you know, I want to connect with you. I know that you can hear me. And if you can hear me, send me some message, right? Uh, intuitively, whatever way that you find is uh, suitable. And so as soon as I uh, looked right, which I intuitively looked right, I saw a billboard and it said, Mother India. You know, not just Mother, yeah. but it's also Mother India. That's not by chance. It's not by chance, you know? No. And so that was like a deeply, uh, deep conviction for me that, you know, um, all these practices that we're doing mm-hmm. about consciousness and breath work, it's yeah. just not, we're just not doing it to reduce stress. There is something that we're connecting to that's yeah. beyond, right? Yeah. We're transcending reality as we know it. Right. And there's a lot that we don't understand yet, but it was, it was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm glad that you got that, you know, and got yeah. that answer and. Yeah, 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 and uh, and so finally, we'll uh, sort of come towards an end of our wonderful discussion <laughs> over here. I wanted to know your your thoughts around uh, reality transurfing mm-hmm. and Vadim Zeeland. Mm-hmm. Right? How did you come across this author, and sure. uh, what what to you is reality transurfing? 
Yeah, sure. Um, I came across it. Um, my wife uh, is from Russia, and she actually read this book. She found it in the library. She was only like 17 years old. And her parents are not even close to being super spiritual or, you know, whatever. But she just ran into this book, and she read it hard, and she believed in it. And uh, she manifested a lot of things coming here, and you know, in her life. And um, she had her own journey, which is a phenomenal journey. I can, it's a whole nother podcast. But, um, and I, she brought the book back and we, I was going through my, you know, growth stage as well, coming out of that, you know, bottom pit that I described. We've been together for a while. And um, she says, hey, there's this really cool Russian mystic here. And he talks about, you know, transcending your reality in different alternates, uh, alternate ways. And you just, you just it's not kind of effortless state. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's nice. Cool. You want to go grab a donut? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> not even paying attention to it. And sure enough, we move like a few years later. I'm like, this book seems kind of interesting. It's sitting in the garage. Oh, and I start reading it, you know, and I'm like, this is phenomenal stuff. I mean, it's just, it's subtle things that he he talks about that are very clear, and they're just they're not even they're not very woo woo stuff. He's just very like, you do this, you do this, you do that. The universe is a mirror. You do this, you're gonna receive this. And it was just very like common sense. And well, some people may not have that may not see it as common sense. I mean, not every sense is common, right? There yeah. are there yeah, not a, <laughs> there are people who will read it and be like, "What is this?" Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but for me, it makes sense, a lot of sense. And um, yeah, um, yeah, he just um, you know, if you ever have a chance to pick up the book, it's uh, it, it yeah. I'm, I don't want to summarize it because I don't want to butcher it, but it's really a great. Um, way of looking at it and it speaks a lot i mean he even mentions it himself it's not it's not his philosophy it's a collection of things which he has come across and he put it together in a different language right so i'll see a lot of i see a lot of like different philosophies that i've come across here and he puts it in a really kind of a practical way to go about it right. um i also really enjoy deepak Chopra, for example you know, I've had a lot of mm. breakthroughs with um, the seven laws of spiritual success. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, he's just another mystic that uh, I really, I really enjoyed, you know, and it just puts things into perspective. But it also gave me a way to speak to my wife and knowing uh, her language was interesting so that we can communicate across spiritually because that for me is really important is having a spiritual connection mm. in a relationship. And so as we grow and, you know, you kind of want to speak the other person's language and it makes it easier for them. So oftentimes they'll go back like, hey, that's a pendulum. Mm. Hey, let's stop. This is a pendulum. Let it go. Mm. Let it go. You know, or like, don't uh, don't start thinking about how. Let's compose instead. Let's go compose a goal. So you go to your own language. Yeah. Right. Nice. She understands it. You know, she understands it as well. It makes sense. Yeah. Because she read it and, you know, it just becomes more easier rather than, Talk about a different set of languages, which she would have to learn. Um, it's it's actually, but it wasn't intentional. I just came across that way, and I was like, "Oh, this composing rather than finding out how to do it, 
makes a lot of sense. It's kind of like having a goal and not having an attachment to the goal. You just kind of compose it. Let's yeah. just imagine, just picture it happen already. Yeah. Forget about how we're going to get there. Let it go now. Just let it go. Don't need God. to worry about how. So, you know, he'll have different languages around similar concepts. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. there's a lot of wisdom from Russia, uh, like Vadim Zilin is one of them, but mm-hmm. also there's a lot of breathwork-related information. Oh, I didn't that, know that. Because of the language barrier and because of the Cold War was not really spread to the West. Now it's coming out. Because um, during the Cold War, there was a lot of Russian scientists who did a lot of research into things like intermittent hypoxia. So, oh. they, they, so they used to send these pilots high up in the sky. And what they noticed was when they were spending time high up in these altitudes, even for training, there was a significant improvement physiologically in the, at a blood level, right? Because of the l- less oxygen. And they noticed, how can we replicate that at ground level? So then they did this, uh, they used to wear these masks and these trainings. That started in, in, in Russia with these Russian scientists. Oh. But because of the research papers, as well as uh, Buteko breathing. Have you heard of that? No, nope, so Dr. Bateka is an uh, amazing story of this doctor. I did an episode with somebody who is uh, an expert in that type of breathing modality. I'll share the link with you later on. Um, uh, Sasha Yakovleva, that's what her name is. Mm. Uh, but I interviewed her. It was, it's, 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 it's really interesting, the wisdom that uh, is coming out of Russia now that you know there's the internet and you know there's a lot of spreading of information mm-hmm. and what you said of letting go mm-hmm. which is very interesting in breath work as well because in breath work if you think about it we're breathing in connected cycles and we're holding the breath and then we're letting go so right. we're setting the intention but also an important component of breath work as well as manifestation is to let go of the outcome so that the universe in all its wisdom can provide you something, can provide you that or something that's even better than that in the greatest interest of all, especially you. Uh, so hmm. what would you say was would be your biggest takeaway for somebody who's listening to this episode right now, who is considering uh, reading his books, especially Reality Transurfing? Because I've not read the book myself, but what would you say is like one key takeaway that I can apply in my life? or will get me picked and interested to read the book in the first place. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, the book is massive. I mean, there's vast, yeah, there's exactly. huge volumes to it. So you're like picking up a Bible or two. Yeah. And it's entertaining. It's really entertaining reading. Don't get me wrong. You can get through it. But yeah, I would say pick up a book, Akti the Priestess. Tufti the Priestess, right? That's easier. Um, and then if you like it, go into more details. But there are some things that are not covered by it, like... You know, there are, you know, there's little things that you can pick up from different other uh, philosophists as well. You know, I really enjoyed Deepak Chopra. I, I, I think that there's so many different interesting mystics out there that you can pick up things from. But yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know how to condense it. It's, it's quite unique. Or maybe like defining one term, like when you say pendulum swinging, what does that mean? Ah. Because that I think is 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 pretty a pretty popular term in the um, reality transfer surfing community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what it means. Yeah. What, how or I maybe it's pretty complicated. It? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how could I translate a pendulum? Well, uh, there's so many. I don't know if I can, if I would do it justice if I was going to translate it. But uh, okay, one pendulum would be like watching the news and then letting yourself take it, be taken by it, be taken by that uh, you know fear. Or that uh, 
you know, and then acting out of fear. So you're kind of, it's like a fear coming through and you're just kind of taking it in a pendulum, swinging into that pendulum and then different um, or political beliefs too harsh on something. It's kind of like karma. The more you like or dislike something. I get it. Okay. The more karma you're going to create. Yeah. The more, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, just detach from that pendulum. Yeah. Detach from that. Yeah, exactly. Like you really hate this political figure. Well, that you're going to create karmic tendencies whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. Right? The more you dislike something, you hate it. You're going to create yeah, karma yeah, because you're judging okay. and make selective discernments about things. But if you go into excess energy, he talks about that a lot, excess potential. If you start uh, materializing excess potential into hating someone or, or you know, um, or really liking something to an uh, obscene amounts of time that you spend there or you like something, then you're going to create karmas and that's what a pendulum is. Is uh, and then there's there's self pendulums, there's relationship pendulums, there's so there's karmic, you know, it's kind of like a fancy word for karma. I, I don't know how I would really put it around, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's a, that was a good uh, explanation, and I'm sure people listening to our show are able to sort of make sense for themselves or maybe read the book itself. And uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Like you can dislike a person, that's fine. And you can be not interested in a particular person or topic, that's totally fine. When somebody vehemently hates someone or something that says more about them than the thing themselves, from even from a psychological standpoint, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's some trigger that is in you yeah. that you're recognizing that makes you want to hate that person. That's why you, especially on social media, when people hate something, I'm like, hmm. Yeah. And you're creating right. an attachment. It's creating an attachment. attachment yeah. You know, whether, whether, yeah, whether it's conscious or, 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 or unconscious, you're doing it. And it, 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 he says that it's actually, the pendulum will use your energy. So the karma will use your energy right. and you, all your energy goes there. And you're like, oh, all my energy went to hating that particular politician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Oh, but I had my goal here. This is my life. And yeah. the, there's immediate things around me right. that are so beautiful and yet I'm just spending all my energy hating this person or let's take away the word hate. Let's say another pendulum could be like I choose not to or I choose something else. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You're choosing things that sometimes have nothing to do with you mm -hmm. and you're just like you're, you know, you're getting mad at the cashier because she's not taking your coupons. Right. That's a pendulum and you're going to get, it's a karmic. You're starting to get really frustrated about that. And if you catch yourself, you say, oh, okay, never mind. Take a deep breath. Let it go. It's all right. Gently yeah. let it go. Just let's move on. What's my day like going to be like? Am I going to be affected this by the rest of the day? Am I going to let myself be taken away? Or am I going to just get centered again and go about my, you know, my, my life? Richard, it was such a nice uh, conversation today. Really enjoyed chatting with you in person at your place. And uh, thanks for being sort of the quote-unquote, I wouldn't say guinea pig, but the first founding member of our in-person guest panel uh, that I'm looking forward to having more of in the future. Uh, it was absolutely an honor. Thank you. It was wonderful and way to guide it. It was amazing. I feel like such a guest <laughs> of honor. You're such a good host. Thank you. Thank you so much. Action Tribe, we are planning to do more in-person events in Vancouver, BC. Not the one in Washington, but <laughs> Vancouver, BC. Uh, so if you're interested in a cold dip or breathwork journey or something else, uh, maybe you have some idea, reach out to me because we, as well as Richard included, are building a community here in Vancouver. So thanks, everybody. It was great chatting, and I hope you have a great day. 
thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at My7Chakras.com. That is My-S-E-V-E-N-Chakras.com. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.